The following sermon was delivered by guest preacher Rev. Dr. Laura Mendenhall in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here is Rev. Mendenhall. A reading from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. Hear God's word. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival or there may be a riot among the people. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard and she broke the jar open and poured the ointment on his head but there were some there who said to one another in anger why was the ointment wasted in this way for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor and they scolded her but Jesus said let her alone why do you trouble her she has performed a good service for me, for you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. When they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him money. So he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was a busy time preparing for the festival of Passover. Among those preparing for the festival were high priests and religious scholars. These leaders were frustrated with this man Jesus who was drawing huge crowds by healing the sick, feeding the hungry, curing those with mental illness, teaching people to care for those in need, even when it meant disregarding the law. This man Peter and his teaching were causing a disturbance and creating trouble for those who were intent to keep things in order. So they were looking for a way to get rid of him, though they agreed that they should not be doing this during Holy Week because we don't want to get everyone upset and make more of a disturbance. Well, Jesus knew what was going on with the high priest and with the crowds and with his friends. So before he went to the room for the Passover meal, Jesus went to the home of Simon. Now they all knew of Simon because he had been a leper. He'd had an awful skin disease, leprosy, that in that time was so contagious as to isolate anyone who was afflicted. Consequently, no one was eager to go to his home. The disciples likely muttered to themselves, is his leprosy really gone or is he still contagious? When was the last time he was tested? 
Is there any chance we could get leprosy from him or from anything we might touch in his home? It's really not worth the risk. Don't go to Simon's house. But Jesus did. It is interesting, knowing that he only had a short time left before his death, that Jesus chose to go to Simon's home for dinner. There were other more convenient, less controversial options. But I doubt that this was happenstance. I imagine that Jesus was intentional, wanted to be very clear that he welcomed everyone, even an outcast, into God's redeeming love. I imagine that going to the home of Simon Peter may have been part of Jesus' preparation for his own death. One more lesson from him. Now, there was a woman at Simon's home. We do not know her name. And yes, there are other stories of women who anointed Jesus. Matthew does tell the same story. Luke tells of a woman, a harlot, who anointed Jesus' feet. And John tells of Mary of Bethany, sister of Martha and Lazarus, who also anointed Jesus' feet in their home. But this story from Mark and the one from Matthew tell the story of an unidentified woman. In our time together these weeks, as we are looking at ordinary people, this woman was so ordinary that no one considered it necessary to even bother to give us her name. She was ordinary, except that she did not stay in the kitchen. Women were to stay in the kitchen. She did not leave the kitchen, give food to the guests, and then return to the kitchen. Nope. When the guests arrived, this woman went back to her own room and pulled out from among her things a jar of perfume. Now, <clears throat> perhaps she had saved and saved in order to purchase this luxury. Or perhaps this was a gift from someone who had spent most of a year's earnings to get this alabaster jar of costly perfume for her. And it was possible that she was saving this perfume for her own death, that she might be anointed with this wondrous smell. Or maybe she used this treasure to sparingly perfume her hair her beautiful long hair, which was her most distinguishing feature, what everyone commented upon when they saw her, what her friends wanted to touch. Her women friends wanted to know her secrets. How often did she wash it? What did she use for shampoo? Did she brush it every night? How long had it been since she had had it cut? And who cut it? Did her mother have hair like this? I can imagine that this woman took care of her hair. When a bottle of oil was used to perfume her hair, it made her feel good about herself. It celebrated special occasions. The unnamed woman retrieved this bottle of oil from her things and took it to the room where Jesus was. Opening the bottle, she poured the perfume, not on her own hair, but on Jesus' hair. It was an act of pure adoration. She expected nothing in return. She simply meant to acknowledge who Jesus was. 
The scribes and the Pharisees recognized who Jesus was and they were threatened. They plotted to kill him. And the nameless woman recognized who Jesus was, not because she'd read the scrolls, not because she'd heard sermons, not because the angels appeared to her as they did to Elizabeth and Mary. This woman simply knew who Jesus was and took the most valuable thing she had and gave it to him. She stated in that action her profound love, her trust, her faith that he was God's redeeming love. She simply wanted to give what she had to the one who was going to give his life for her. Now and then, we, you and I may come to a place where we reorder our lives and make such a faith statement. We declare in one way or another who Jesus is to us. The new members who you were introduced to, they have come to such a moment and they have made such a statement. It could be that you would do this. It's unlikely you would do that with perfume, but I'd love to hear about it if you decide to do it that way. It could be in a prayer. It could be in some kind of commitment or some turn of events that you declare in life and in death we and all we have belong to God. This was the experience of the nameless woman as she anointed Jesus with an outpouring of her love, boldly recognizing him and anointing him as the Messiah. Clearly, Jesus saw this anointing as preparation for his death. As I look at the print of the wood carving on your bulletin cover, at the disdain on the faces of the disciples, I imagine that the woman had been so focused on Jesus that she was hardly aware that others were in the room. So much so that she was likely startled at the response of Jesus' friends. One might expect that they, of all people, would understand her willingness to give her all to one they also loved and to whom they had devoted their lives. But this was not the case. Some of them became furious and said among themselves, that is criminal, a sheer waste. This perfume could have been sold for well over a year's wages and handed out to the poor. Their anger burst out in righteous indignation over her actions. I imagine the woman was so completely thrown off balance by their response that she cowered back into the shadows, questioning herself, what is wrong with me to think I could do such a thing? It is not my place to make such a show of my devotion, even to the Son of God. Not my place. I was not thinking clearly. Should I run? Should I try to explain myself? But before she could react, Jesus said, let her alone. Why are you giving her such a hard time? She's done something wonderful for me. You will have the poor every day for the rest of your life. And if you love me as much as she does, then I know you will care for the poor every day for the rest of your life. But my days are nearly finished. And she did what she could when she could. She pre-anointed my body for burial. 
And you can be sure that wherever in the whole world the gospel is preached, what her love did is going to be talked about with admiration. And while we do not know her name, we do talk about her still and remember how much she loved Jesus. When Jesus finished speaking, I imagine that her face was burning hot, the blood pulsing through her as if she'd been running a race. She had not wanted all this attention from the others and had not meant to get Jesus' attention in this way. It was just that in that moment, she knew who Jesus was and she knew that she belonged to him. In life and in death, she belonged to God and she knew this was really all that mattered. She belonged eternally to God and it was enough. She poured out her love in response. And yes, she would also pour out her love to the poor and needy because of her love for Jesus who had said, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. Did the others in the room take all that in? Did they whisper to one another their confusion? Jesus, in the home of a leper, allowing a woman to anoint him, and then honoring her waist? Jesus had lifted up her action above anything that any of them had done. Shouldn't they be commended for speaking up just now regarding what they had heard Jesus say over and over about their responsibility for the poor and the sick? for orphans and widows, for strangers, for prisoners. They remembered how Jesus spoke all the time about their need to care for the outcast. But on this day, Jesus said, you will have the poor with you. Letting them know that every day, yes, they should care for the poor every day, but he also lifted up what this woman had done this day based on her love. For without such love, all the attention to the poor was a lesser act. If you give all you have and do not have love, you gain nothing. This nameless woman was so attuned to Jesus and to his calling that she did what was timely for that day, what could not be done later. She lovingly anointed Jesus for burial. The disciples remembered that Jesus had told them that his death was near and he had warned them to keep awake. But was it now? Was this woman more attuned to what God was doing than were they, the disciples? How had they missed this? They were not prepared for Jesus' death. They were not ready to let him go. They had other plans for him. They had other plans for themselves. But clearly Jesus was preparing to die and this woman was attending to him. They were puzzled. They were ashamed. They were afraid. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, was making preparation for Jesus' death. I've often wondered what was going on with him. Was he feeling left out? Was his leadership being slighted by the other disciples? As treasurer for the group, was he concerned about the budget? 
Was he worried about his family at home? Because after he left to follow Jesus, he was sure the family was having a difficult time making ends meet. Were the kids acting out? Was his wife simply exhausted? He did want to get back to his job where he'd been on the fast track to becoming the boss. Did he doubt what he had seen? Question how it was that Jesus could heal and feed all those people? Did he resent Jesus lifting up the faith of this woman when he and the others had left everything to follow Jesus? Was Judas pushing back on all this talk about taking care of the poor? I imagine there was a lot going on for Judas. What we know is that shortly after the visit to Simon's home, Judas did go to the high priest with the intent to betray Jesus. I imagine the church leaders couldn't believe their good fortune because with Judah's help, taking out Jesus was going to be far easier than they'd imagined. They promised to pay Judas well. I wonder what Judas planned to do with the money. Would he use it to care for the poor? Would he send it home to his family? Would he create in the budget a fund for the disciples' mental health? The gospel writer Matthew said that Judas gave the money back to the high priest. So, maybe it wasn't really about the money. What we know is that Judas started looking for the right moment to hand Jesus over. And it came quickly. The next evening, with, um, Jesus met with his disciples for the Last Supper. Then they had time together in the Garden of Gethsemane where that very evening Judas did betray Jesus, giving him over to the soldiers. Then in Pilate's courtyard, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And at last, Jesus was crucified. Three days later, Scripture says, when the Sabbath was over, the women arrived very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen and went to the tomb with spices to anoint him. And they were met by an angel. Both just before and just after Jesus' death, there were women to lovingly anoint him. I feel certain that these ordinary women welcome our joining them in proclaiming that in life and in death, we belong to God. Thanks be to God for the ordinary folks of the past who proclaimed the redeeming love of God. And for those ordinary folks in our lives today who call us into loving acts that may be remembered. Don't overlook the ordinary folks whose names you forget or never knew, but whose acts of faithfulness are remembered because they change lives, because they change our lives and call us into something more than we have expected of ourselves. Look for them this week and allow them to bring you closer to the one whose redeeming love keeps you in God's presence for all eternity. I have heard so many stories of your love for Jesus that causes you to reach out to those in need. 
countless examples of your reaching out to the poor, those living on the streets, the sick, the lonely, those barely making it whose lives are blessed by your care, by your attention to their need, and by the great varieties of your particular gifts which lessen their burdens. I heard a story from the Meals on Heels team, volunteers who plan and shop for meals for 50 plus folks each week who meet on Saturday mornings to wash and peel and chop and bake and stir until everything is prepared and packaged. Then another group of folks, and I understand these are mostly young adults, who arrive on Saturday morning and walk that meal to a grateful recipient. One of those recipients is Alice, who worked here in New York City her whole adult life, but at 83 has outlived her savings. She has food stamps and rent assistance, but is in constant pain from falls so that preparing food in her toaster oven is difficult. Alice writes a thank you note to the church every week, though she's never met all those volunteers that prepared that meal for her. I too want to thank you, all of you, for the great variety of ways in which your love for Jesus is carried out by your care for others. I don't know your names, but I'm going to remember you. Consider the possibility that you may be a nameless one in someone else's life. Don't wait to be noticed. There won't be any fanfare. Simply realize that Somebody is watching. Someone is looking to you to point the way for them that they might recognize the one who gives life abundant and life eternal, even to the most ordinary. You be such an ordinary person this week that another might find their way into the story of God's redeeming love. May it be so. Amen. Beloved in Christ, in life and in death, we belong to God. It is our only comfort and it is enough to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and knowing that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit are with you today and eternally. Amen.
hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.